This is episode 17 of The Focused Mindset. Parents, how would you react if your child came to you and told you they were struggling with their sexual identity? That's what we're going to talk about today. But first, if you're new to this program, don't forget to subscribe. I have lots of family-oriented conversation that you are not going to want to miss. And when you subscribe, take a look at the show notes. There you're going to find the links to many helpful tools as well as to my sponsors. This show is sponsored by MixiFit. MixiFit has been a big part of my fitness journey, so I'm excited to partner with them. Go to www.mixifit.com and at checkout, use my special code Focused Mindset to get $25 off your first month of live and on-demand workouts. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset. The Focused Mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey, and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. In my role as a school counselor, I have talked to thousands of students. Many times they come to me with concerns, feelings, beliefs that are deep within them, but they don't know who to go to to talk to about them. And many times this happens when a child is trying to wrap their mind around feelings that they have about their sexual identity. That's why I felt it was important for me to bring this conversation to you today. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation that I had with a mother and her 13-year-old child who recently came to her and told her that they're identifying as trans. Now, some of you might not even know what that means. So in order to listen to this conversation and completely understand that, I want to open up by giving you a definition. Trans is short for transgender. Transgender is an umbrella term that describes people whose gender identity or expression does not match the sex that they were assigned at birth. Now, that's a very technical way of saying it, but it will help you understand where this family is coming from. Now, I know when this subject comes up, you got a certain type of feeling. Everybody does. It may be uncomfortable. It may be a strong opinion about the matter. It may be compassion. I don't know. But everybody has an opinion when in regard to sexual identity issues. But right now, I'm going to ask you to just listen to this conversation. Listen, not as someone that's being judgmental, but as someone that's being curious, because you're going to get to hear where this family is on a journey that they never expected to be on. I know that you look to raise your kids in the way that they should go, and you might lean on the belief that they will not depart from it. But what happens if your child does come to you and wants to talk to you about a subject that you absolutely do disagree with? I believe that you should take the time to plan for that because I have two grown children and trust me, each of them have come to me and shared with me things that they know I disagree with. And then I have a responsibility of how to respond. Now, as a counselor, I'm comfortable with talking to families about nearly any subject without passing judgment. But as a parent, it can be much harder when you have your heart attached to that conversation. So after this interview, I'm going to share with you some of my reflections that revolves around this quote by author Rosianna Butterfield. The integrity of our relationships matters more than the boldness of our words. Lori and I came in contact when she reached out to say, hey, I just want to do my best for my kids and maybe you could talk to me about parenting. And as we talked, we realized that some of the topics that Lori deals with are things that many of you guys as parents today 
are faced with the same questions and the same family dynamics. And we want to get the, the word out to you guys so you know that you're not alone. And so welcome, Lori. Welcome to my podcast. Thanks so much. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me on, Cher. I have a lot of respect for you because you're the type of parent that reached out and asked for help. All right. Yeah. In my profession as a school counselor and as a life coach, um, many times I'll see that that someone might be able to use help, but they just don't have the um, they don't have what they need inside of them to say, you know what, why don't I ask for some help? And I loved it that you did that. And so tell me about your your kids. So I have uh, two teenagers. Uh, my older is uh, 16 and my younger is 13. So we've had a few changes over the last couple of years. Uh, we had a family member that passed away, and then oftentimes I think that what happens is there are sort of ripple effects that happen, um, and my partner and I at the time, we're no longer going to be partners in marriage anymore, but we're going to be friends and co-parent, Yes. and um, we love and are so grateful for our amazing, wonderful kids. So singlehood, that's a really big change to happen. Yeah, that was a big change. And um, another big change that came to pass, I want to say about eight months ago, is that my youngest child revealed to us that they were identifying as trans. So that right there is what interested me so much when you spoke to me with such love about your children. And when I said, well, what's going on? And you just, you know, boldly and openly was like, well, this is what's going on. My kids are lovely. This is what's happening. And I thought, my goodness, today in our world, we need more parents like you that are walking through this, uh, a new challenge in life, but doing it in such a positive way. Well, I think at the root of it, it comes from just loving my kids so much and just realizing that this is their journey. Mm -hmm. I know that my mom, when I grew up, at a certain point, it was like, she sort of was a little more like hands off, like it's our life to live and we need to go live it. You know, so I transplanted from California to New York to become a dancer. And that <laughs> was what I wanted to do. And mom was like, okay, go do, you can do anything. And I think that realization that as a parent, we're there to help these little adults <laughs> Mm -hmm. on their journey, but ultimately it's their journey. About eight months ago, when, what, what's your child's name? Uh, my child's name is Carl. When Carl came to you, walk us through that conversation from your perspective. What was that conversation like? From my perspective, so the, about a year ago, I remember my youngest got really excited about dyeing their hair. Mm -hmm. And so we went over, just as many parents do, like the pros and cons of do we dye the hair? Do we not dye the hair? I've kind of myself been a little bit of, uh, and my sister would jokingly call me a nutty, crunchy, like granola girl. Like mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of chemicals, you know, I like I try to, you know, I was for a long time was like the food police and we tried to eat healthy. I have to say like we've fallen off of that a good deal now. <laughs> We're not eating as healthy as we used to. So I was like the food police. I was the chemical police. Gotcha. The, uh -huh. no, no red dye number 40. We're not having those candies in the house. Carl was so excited about dyeing their hair. And at this point, their hair was maybe shoulder length. Okay. And um, they dyed their hair. And so we went, they used their own money. We went to a salon and they did it professionally so that we would be careful with the chemicals and so on. But soon after that, they wanted to cut their hair short. And I thought it was because the dye was getting on everything. We yeah. used to have a white couch. We no longer have a white couch. <laughs> I thought it must have been, you know, because it was, it was a little hard to manage. Yes. Uh, my ex, I think, was starting to have like, questions in their mind and ultimately they sort of guessed what was going on with Carl um, hmm. ahead of my coming on board and so I, I thought oh you're overreacting girls can have short hair too um, you know girls can wear and I, honestly I do fitness for a living and oftentimes I prefer the men's and boys clothes because they have zippers in their pockets so we, right. we bought some boys clothes and I thought that's no big deal I do it all the time yeah. they, they have zippers and the girls clothes don't so so you know we had got we had a shorter haircut we were shopping in the boys section and so my ex figured out um, ahead of me sort of 
what was up and I thought he was overreacting. So um, I want to say about eight months ago was right around, it, it was actually um, it was Thanksgiving. I'm yeah. laughing to myself a little bit because just recently I've been clearing out and I found the party hat that uh, my little one had. Um, they had a big plan that they wanted to, of how they wanted to kind of reveal themselves to us uh-huh. on Thanksgiving where they wanted to literally have the hat on and come out of it was a plan there was a plan so in now we're in two separate households okay and so um there are certain moments when my little one was with me and certain moments when they were with with their dad absolutely and they had asked their dad if they could buy a binder and at the time I didn't know what it was um, but they they had secretly been making their own binder which Uh is basically something to sort of you know um flatten out the chest area so that you would appear more, um, you know, like a male in, in physical form. And, um, one thing to keep in mind that may be important to know is that if anybody is trying to make their own binder out of whatever materials they come up with, ace bandages, cloth, they, you know, whatever it is, they, they could actually, it could be more harmful than getting a binder that is sort of meant for that purpose. Gotcha. Um, a professionally made one. And mm-hmm. so we had this conversation over whether or not to get a binder. And what we found out was our little one was trying to make their own and it would be safer if we actually got a binder mm-hmm. and, and we got a few of them so that they could have that as a comfort um, right. and appear more into the form that they, they feel that they're meant to be. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so back to our Thanksgiving day reveal. <laughs> yes. So what I found out was what I found out on the Thanksgiving Day reveal was that my little one had asked their dad if they could buy a binder. And as we are trying to co-parent, we are doing our best to stay in communication about everything and not step over one person or the other person. And so in the spirit of being in communication about everything that is happening, uh, my ex sort of brought up um, the idea for uh, our little one to kind of reveal to me as well, because he had sort of figured, Absolutely. figured yeah. it out already. Mm-hmm. My ex mm-hmm. had already sort of figured it out. And so on Thanksgiving, um, our, our little one let us know that they are identifying as trans. And so, that's where we started. So in that moment, you had already had a previous conversation with your ex. And so at that moment, were you still equally as surprised or... Were you at that point saying, okay, I kind of, I kind of knew we were heading in this direction? I think that my ex was definitely sure. I wasn't so sure. I didn't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we've had a couple of things that have happened since then that are helping me to understand. And I think this is oftentimes the case with parents. Mm-hmm. You may have one parent that, that might be more understanding and more on board earlier than the other. Mm-hmm. I know that sometimes, and this is like very hard thing for me to see, that I know that um, my little one is watching a lot of media that is uh, dealing with, you know, adjusting and, and, and hearing the words of other kids that are sort of coming out to their parents as trans. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's the case where one parent may completely reject their child. So there is a Facebook group that is Parents Support Group of LGBTQ Teens, Children, and Adults. That's okay. the name of the support group. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the learning process, you know, I went on to that support group at a certain point and, and just reading the stories from different families, um, mm-hmm. the alienation that's possible, the um, just, I don't know, it's it's really hard to see. And, and I, I see and, and sense a lot of anger uh, around the topic coming from the teens. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with not being accepted for who they are. So yeah. that's a real challenge. And... I think that one thing as a parent at first, oh, by the time you and I spoke, mm-hmm. I was like, like looking for information and like, what can I do to you know, like support my kid better? And I know that yes. your expertise is working with kids, mm-hmm. but at first it was like, well, who do I talk to? Yes. You know, like it's a very, it can be a very isolating thing for the parent to kind of just take a moment and, and step back and be like, wait. How do I support my kid the best I can? Mm-hmm. 
Well, the people around me are not in that environment. Yes. There's a saying that comes from NLP. There's a story or there's a phrase, I guess, that's used that says the map is not the territory. Mm. So you might have an idea or other people might have an idea of what things might be, but you don't actually know what it is until you're standing there with your feet in that place where it says there's supposed to be a shallow stream, but maybe there's been a thunderstorm. Maybe there've been down trees. Mm -hmm. And when you're sitting there in, in person, in real life, the territory that you're in is very specific to you, to the moment you're in, to how your kid is, Mm -hmm. to what you're going through. I mean, we were coming off of the tail end of, you know, we're actually still in the middle of of kind of going through the process of parents that are separating and going through Mm -hmm. divorce. So Mm -hmm. that's layered into the mix. And we just want the best for our kids. Like that's at the end of the day, what we want. What you're describing is a journey. And you went on this journey completely not knowing or expecting. You didn't know that this journey was going to uh, take these turns and take these, you know, right. But what you're describing is so great for parents to understand because sometimes when we're in that moment and things didn't look the way that we wanted it to look, we need to have grace on ourselves. Because right. it takes time to sort it all out. It takes time for our minds sometimes to catch up with what's actually happening. It seems like that's kind of where you were at for a little while is like, yeah. I need to catch up with this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there is, I think, this idea of sort of being gentle with yourself. There is a moment to almost mourn for a loss of sorts, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you know, I guess. And to just pause, mm-hmm. be with that, and then just realize, and this is something that my my little one pointed out to me, I'm still the same person. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So my kid is still my kid. And, and what I think about is I have this memory of when they were a tiny baby. They were very different than their older brother. Their older brother was happy to be swaddled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the younger Carl Mm-hmm. was not going to be swaddled. They mm-hmm. are free spirit. And I just remember the movements that they had. They would move their arms in the most ethereal way that I didn't yes. see with my other kid. I think every <laughs> child is individual. Yes. And I think about the beauty of the big heart that this kid has and the artistic movement and quality to just their nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that it it's they're finding who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I've had many opportunities as a school counselor to be able to walk through this process with parents. So I, I can identify with your journey. I can identify with you having to now look back and say, yeah, I kind of had to go through these steps of acceptance, a, a little a bit of mourning, a little bit of discovering who this person is, but knowing they're still the same person, you know, this is, that's a beautiful thing, right? But yeah. it's, it's important for parents to understand that it's a process because most of the time, um, the very shock of it or the reality of it puts um, some parents in a standstill and they don't yeah. know how to walk forward and they don't know what, how to walk forward in this new reality. So what were some of the things that helped you? You mentioned reaching out and getting a group that you could read about and yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think that definitely finding support where support is available. At mm-hmm. the time, I, I am, uh, I myself am trying to go back to school, and so I happened to be in a sociology class, and I connected with one of the students who had gone through a similar experience herself, mm-hmm. and her process is her process which is very different than my child's, Mm -hmm. but they had a similar revelation that they were not comfortable in the body that they were given, Mm -hmm. that they felt other and that that was a process. Um, Yes. And so it actually was great to bond with that student. So that alone being open to saying, okay, I need to listen to somebody else that's been in some type of similar journey. It sounds like you really needed to have a listening ear for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that made a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I, I, I know that we hear that you're referring to the pronoun they, and, yes. um, and was that a transition for you to realize I need to change the pronoun and, and is it going to be he, is it going to be they, how are we, how, how did that all come about? Cause I know those awkward things matter. I mean, they make a difference. Yeah, you know? They really do. I have an example just from yesterday. We had a, a, a meeting with my little one's school and they've been so great. They've like, kind of been sailing through like the COVID process with, with grace and, and, and uh, support and knowledge and information. And they were so great to actually change the name, right? We have the nickname, mm-hmm. right? As, as opposed to what would be referred to as their dead name. Right. Right. Um, so my job right now, <laughs> Right. As as the mom, part of my job is is that I am running the front lines on just asking wherever I can, like, can you accommodate our situation? And everybody's been really great. The orthodontist, mm-hmm. the pharmacist, the school. We've done we've we've done our best to change the name from the dead name to the current name. Mm-hmm. And that is a source of comfort and yes. ease. And mm-hmm. we can put that certificate on the fridge. I remember the first time my little one had just changed schools and they went to, um, they went to a ceremony where they got on honor roll mm-hmm. and their certificate had their old name on there. And mm. it was just a sad moment for them. They crumpled mm-hmm. it up. They made them take a picture with it and they, you know, um, and so they, they were really unhappy about that. So I think that the, the, the sense of self Mm-hmm. that our little one is finding is really important. And we're trying to support that in any way we can Absolutely. by helping. And, and, you know, we even mix it up. We even mix it up every once in a while that we yeah. say, you know, we say she, and, uh-huh. and that's it. And then we have to catch ourselves and we're like, yes. wait, wait, I'm sorry. They, you know, or yeah. sometimes he, him is, is acceptable as well. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting that, uh, and I like the way you bring up that, whether you're still kind of fumbling around with the words, you've made a decision that part of your role is to stand in the gap and support that decision. And part of it is just simply the um, the logistics of it. You yeah. know, the people don't think about there's logistics there. You've talked about yeah. the dentist and all of that. And then I, I can only imagine that that created a stronger bond between the two of you as um, as Carl watched you choose to support that in such an active way. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of the practical things are good to keep in mind. Um, shopping for different clothes. <laughs> yeah. We've had to go through, I, I realize we've gone through like several different variations on what the right clothing will be yeah. uh, in, in many different pieces and parts. And, and um, you know, so I think that just to realize that's going to be a process. You might have to go through a couple of different versions of one item of clothing or another to find the one that that suits them right. They're discovering mm-hmm. themselves, and, and it will be a little bit of a process. So the clothing, um, also, you know, we live in a big building that's a complex. And so running into uh, friends they hadn't seen for a while, you know, so I'm running interception on like, oh, we're going by this now. <laughs> You know, and just to yeah, announce it right and just away. being confident, yes, yeah, that's and so it's just an, a matter of fact. It's a matter of, of fact, attitude. and mm-hmm. and I have to say, I feel like everybody that we've kind of announced this to and shared has been really so wanting to support as well. I'm very grateful for that. My family, we've had several Zoom meetings. I remember the first Zoom meeting that we had that was like a family meeting. I went on the text first and said, okay, guys, look, we're going by this now. Please right. try to do your best to, you know, to say the right name. And, and you know, my family was like, you be you, <laughs> you know, come right. on, we're, we love you. And what, Yes. And that's so beautiful to hear because sometimes our imagination of how people might approach it is totally different. And then we think, oh, wow, that was that actually went better than I thought, you know. And I noticed that when I counsel, um, when I've had the times where I've counseled kids that are about um, the same age, they sometimes feel very, uh, I don't know, almost offended when people are unable to make that transition to the right pronoun or, um, you know, make the, and it's, and it's almost like a real offensive type of thing that they get. And, um, sometimes I'll sit down and describe it in counseling this way. I'll say, when was the very first time that you began to realize that you felt uncomfortable in your skin and they'll have to really think about it. And I'll say, okay, well really though, when was the very, very first time? 
in almost every case, it's years previous. Okay. And, you know, and I don't know if Carl could answer that right now if he's thinking about it. But, you know, if the, if they can wonder, when was the very first time? Do they have an answer? If, they, if you have an answer, I don't know. If you don't, that's fine, too. It was, like, in, like, maybe fourth or fifth grade. Um, okay. So, fourth grade. So, you figure fourth, fifth, sixth, all those years go by, right? It was, what, um, 13. So, you were seventh grade, mid-seventh grade that, that uh, were you in the mid-17th? Yeah, in the, yeah okay. middle of... The middle of seventh grade. Right. Um, Look was... at all of those years. So the way that I approach it is to say, okay, so you had all of that time inside your mind to sort it out, to mourn the loss of the person that you were, to think about it, to, to decide how you were going to come out to everyone, how you were going to feel comfortable. And now that other person needs to have grace as well. Now that person needs to begin their process. And I found that a lot of, of, of kids forget that, oh, wait a minute, they weren't in my head going through this journey with me. So they need to catch up and I need to have grace with my parent. And when I saw kids really open their eyes to that, they would be giving their mom a hug and saying, it's okay. I know it's hard on you. I know, you know, and things like that, because then they began to wait, wait a minute. I wasn't sure about this. I only started thinking about it all that time ago. And I wasn't even able to talk about it, right? So I think the measure of grace that we give each other through this process is beautiful. And it looks like you guys have walked through that. And you're still kind of figuring that all out, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you sure there are going to be things that we still need to figure out as we go. Yeah. Have you ever had that time when um, Carl gets that, oh, why can't they just figure it out? Why can't they just, have you ever had that moment in your family? So there's a, there's a sadness there. So I usually just get sad or like there's like, you know how there's like fight or flight. It's like not fight or flight, but like freeze or flight, you know, yeah, like absolutely. I'll just like walk away or like just like freeze. I mean, like I do get sad. I mean, like I don't get offended. I just I just like I try to correct people if I can. Mm hmm. That makes sense because you're processing it yourself and you're saying, I really don't want to be offensive to those people, but it kind of makes me sad that I have to answer that question at all. Is that kind of where you're talking about? Yeah. 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 Because you're like, the nail right on the head. Right. Because, you know, one of the most interesting things is it is, it's hard to live in a body that you feel as though you don't belong in, you know, and then to begin to, accept that and come to full acceptance and then have to revisit it and revisit it and revisit it every time somebody has to question it for a while it can be hard but have you guys ever found like as you've been walking through this and you're still kind of um, early in it that you begin to it becomes a little easier and you've have found some words that you always say or some phrases that kind of bring you out of that sadness quicker um, I usually just write it out and then like I'm sad for a while and then I get over it. I just like, I just like go into the bathroom cause I don't have my own room. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically just wait for it to pass. Or if I don't have time to wait for it to pass, then I'll just like cover my face with cold water and then just get over it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a certain level of sadness that just go on and off. Like it comes over you and then you kind of get over it and then go about your day. That makes sense. So as a mom listening to that, how are you, how do you feel when you hear all that? Well, as a parent, you know, we never want our kids to feel sad and it's hard when it's, I think there can be an intensity to the sadness around this topic and it's hard, you know, we want our kids to not have to suffer mm -hmm. and to feel okay, mm -hmm. you know? And so yeah. I think one thing that we talked about at one point was what are some coping mechanisms we can use. We come from a scenario where we've visited a Zen center. Okay. And there are some things that have been helpful with regard to the Zen practice. So breathing practices, counting 
from mm-hmm. one to ten, like the things that would be like simple, like an old school, like breathing count to ten. Like so, like before, um, the Sims stops working on my computer. I would like <laughs> play the Sims as a coping mechanism and just kind of like, a distraction. Yeah, basically just make the house real nice and then like design the characters. Yeah. And stuff like that. Um, I would play The Sims a lot. Yeah. And my therapist said that was a coping mechanism. So, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes you just need to let your mind unwind. And you can use those just to let your mind not think about all of those things and just kind of think about something else. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. We did also, like, just to kind of give a little bit of the foundation of some of the things that we did, we went to our primary care doctor Mm -hmm. and asked for a recommendation on who might specialize. And then we went to a doctor that specialized in dealing with kids that are identifying as trans and their specialty spans many other things, but this is the one that we needed. So that doctor at that point, we had the choice to, um, look into whether or not to go on certain medications Mm -hmm. to support the process. Um, And then there were a couple of, a number of different um, choices that that were offered and we picked the one that seemed to make the best sense at the time. Mm -hmm. And then we also, as a sort of co-help with that medication, with the medication, we also found a great therapist who is, well, right now is literally is right across the street, like oh my gosh. From where we live. So wow. uh, it took us a little while to find a therapist because we went to a couple of different places and they were full mm-hmm. and they either were short staffed and they couldn't take anybody on or they were too far away or mm-hmm. insurance didn't cover it. And so I, I think we lucked out because I think the therapist that we have is very complimentary and helpful and supportive. One thing that was recommended was the medication, and um, it was a hard start with the medication because there are different ways you can go about it, and some of the side effects I was a little bit worried about. Yeah. So again, right? Because you do think about age, and you do think about development, uh, you know. Right. There's more than just physical development. There's mental development, and, you know, side effects to every medication, so you have to think about that. Right, yeah. So part of that conversation also included finding a good therapist. And so I thought those two had to go hand in hand. So it mm-hmm. took us a little while to find a good therapist because yes. part of the part of the side effects of the medication were mood swings, which right. as you know, as a teenager you're already gonna have mood swings. Exactly. And, as you know, and so it was gonna be important to find that balance of having someone to talk to on a regular basis that can mm-hmm. be uh, eyes on you know, are we in a situation where this is part of the way things are anyway? Mm-hmm. Or is there a change that we need to monitor based on how can we be safe? So we need to have an outside eye, not myself, not yeah. my ex, uh-huh. but a, a trained professional to, to make sure that our kid is okay. And also it's... um it's a different perspective. Like, the you know, like I just heard Carl say, well, they said that you know, that's, that was a coping mechanism. Those words and phrases being told, you know, begins to make them realize, okay, this is another voice that can speak to me when I don't really understand why all I want to do is go in my room and play Sims, for example. Now you can make sense of it because the person looking in isn't in the fishbowl. We've heard that, you know, we've heard that analogy before where you can't know what you can't know because you're in it. And so that was brilliant for you guys to find someone that you were comfortable with and that Carl's comfortable with. I mean, of course, obviously I'm in the the mental health profession, so I would have, um, uh, I would have suggested that if you didn't already have that, but um, that's great because that's what family therapy. And also family therapy as well. That That's meant to be part of the whole package. When we first mm-hmm. went in for the intake, you know, part of the package is that Carl gets to speak with the therapist. But also my ex and I have both had a chance to to, ch- to, to check in. That's great. With the therapist and mm-hmm. just to make sure that we're, we're doing a cohesive parenting plan. Mm-hmm. You know, so regular parenting that, you know. Um, we want to make sure that we're doing the best we can anyway. Yes. But then yeah. this is, you know, we want to make sure, even more sure that we're trying to do the best we can. Right. To support right. our kids. Because we love them. 
Right. right. And the and thing is, is that's what it's rooted in. It's rooted in love. And um, I, my hope is that parents that are listening, that are dealing with any wide range of unexpected news, you know, you can, we don't have to name them all, but the parents are probably rolling through their mind right now. As their kids get older, they're going to get things popping out of their kid's mouth that they did not expect, things yeah. about their development they didn't expect. And my hope is that you can continue to spread the message you're spreading right now of it all comes down to love. Yeah. You know, they're the same person that they are always, but now we're loving them through this part of their life. And, um, and I think that that's probably what's been motivating you to keep moving forward. You know, you yeah. keep moving forward with each new step because you're like, no, this is what you do for a child when you love them. You yeah. know, um, well, I know yeah. that it doesn't always feel that way when we're in the thick of it and, you know, we're disagreeing with our kids and we're, you know, in uh, some kind of chaotic state. But yeah. but you're acting out of love. Is there ever a time where you have to kind of like remind yourself of that? <laughs> um, you know, I think there are times when I'm just not sure is this regular teen stuff that happens or is there another layer that's like even more intense? Yes. And I think those are the moments when I have to just pause and, and just be like, wait, <laughs> take yeah. a breath. Let's not overthink this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I'm thinking about like with my two kids, there are moments when they reveal things about themselves that you might not have known of before. I had this memory of when the kids were small and my older was seven and my younger was four, four. Yeah. So we went on this camping trip and there was, it was a great camping trip and the kids got to run free. You know, we didn't have to like hold their hand, like, you know, we're walking down the street in New York city, yep. but, um, but they also, they had this moment and this is actually about my older child. So this was yes. something that he revealed in the moment that mm -hmm. I had never seen before. And it parallels to something that I, a memory I have of my younger as well. So at the camping trip, we had a campfire and there was a wonderful storyteller that told a great couple of campfire stories. It was really great. And then what happened was at a certain point, my older, he was seven, raised his hand and then he started talking and he didn't shut up. <laughs> he just like rambling on. He had question after question after question and story and this and that and the other. And what about this? And what about that? And what about that? And I had never seen him open up like that before ever. Wow. So I, in the moment, realized, wow, chatterbox. <laughs> never saw that coming. Yeah. Fast forward. My younger is now 12 at the time. And all of a sudden, I think it seemed like they were talking about a quote unquote friend of theirs. Uh -huh. And then they started talking about, they were just, the way they were talking was so inspired and so focused and so connected about, you know, why do we have to label people? And, you know, people can be who they are. And, and I thought to myself, activist, you know, yeah. support, support for anyone who is downtrodden, you know, and that was a moment that was a revelation. And in that moment, I remember feeling like I had never at that point heard my youngest speak like that. Yeah. With passion, really. With passion. They're yes. saying that was the moment they became a punk. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but the passion under, behind something, it's true. It's like our kids are evolving into the little humans that they were meant to be. Yeah. And you see that little passion and you're like, whoa, what's that? I, exactly. uh, that's interesting. That, that, I got to pay <laughs> Never attention saw that to that. Before. Yeah, yeah, I need to pay attention to that one right there. Yeah. I, I just know, know this one. This one has a force. Yeah. That And if there's anybody that is is possibly being downtrodden, this, my youngest here is a force for speaking up for the downtrodden. And I just, I'm grateful for whoever they will be able to help in their lifetime, because I see that as a strong power, yes. as a passion. And I think that it's, it's, you know, at the moment, it may be coming from what look, you know, hey, here I am. Mm -hmm. And this is what I believe in. And don't mess with me. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Does Carl see that in, in himself yet? Uh, yes. Um, yes. Okay. Good answer. It's because um, I'm a vegan and stuff, and I really care about animals. And then I also like pay attention to like 
I don't want to call it politics. A lot of people see it as politics, but like just human rights, you know, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, everything happening with the police. Yeah. Everything that, that really hits you, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you feel that passionate, it's for a reason. And that's my advice to any parents I've worked with. But in this situation, even more so, because when you recognize a passion, when you ignore it and try and squish it, that's when you really, really start to feel like, I don't know how this is going to work out in my life at all. What would you say is something that you guys are going through right now that is a challenge? Right now. (laughs) Gosh, that's so... I don't know why that seems like a hard question because at the moment I kind of feel like we've been in quarantine and in a way, like as a mom being able to be with their kids, I'm so happy to just be able to be with them and make them the PBJ, even though it's like an old, (laughs) like a lunch we're tired of having and, you know, (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just so overjoyed to be able to be with them and then yeah. kind of be through this process. And, and I don't know, like, I think that to be able to be close with my kids um, is kind of a gift right now. So what's something else with um, with the siblings, you know, like the what's some other dynamics you guys have had to deal with? Well, one thing that I thought was really on a nice note was the the way that their older brother kind of matter of factly said, so I guess I have a brother now, huh? <laughs> That's cool. so cute. <laughs> yeah, I think that he's very accepting. Yeah. yeah I remember that very specifically. I, I remember like, I th- yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a support there. to. The- and how did you feel about that? I'm interested in Car- what Carl thought about that. Carl about his brother's opinion. Um, I don't know. It wasn't, it was kind of like a neutral thing. I don't know. Um, I mean, he, he did okay with pronouns. Yeah. Do you feel like you are the type of person that always wanted your brother to like accept you? Or were you kind of the type of person where you're like, hey, whatever he thinks I am me. So whatever, you know, that type of thing. Um, I think I used to like when I was like a toddler, but then like he was like super like, no, go away. So like, I, I was like, you know what? I don't care what you think at this point. So you and now it's the reverse. Oh, really? And now it's the reverse. Now I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't care what you think at this point. And then he's like, let me throw stuff at you. Let me like give you hugs. <laughs> See, life changes. It's a journey. Like I said, it's a journey. They're like, wait a minute. This is this is a little different than what I expected when I was in fourth or fifth grade, right? <laughs> I just love catching up with where you guys are at right now in your family because you guys are right in the moment. And that's why it's so beautiful to talk to you. And I'm so thankful that you've been willing to share a little bit about where you're at in your family today. And I'm wondering, what do you wish others knew about what you've gone through? I have a thought on that. I think that the main thing is you're not alone as the kid, as the parent, We're all navigating this one day at a time. And life is different now than when we were kids and we were growing up. It's very different. And I think to just be open and aware and, you know, willing to take in information where you can and just be there for our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not alone. That's the main thing. I mean, we talked about like the conversation, you know, should we, should we have this conversation? Should we not have this conversation? And I think that the importance of us talking to you now is that if there are people out there that are suffering, that maybe don't know how to deal with what's coming up, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. That's it. If we can help one person be in a better place and maybe be kinder to themselves, yes, kinder to each other and help, you know, find a way to work through what's happening so that we can just all take care of each other and Mm -hmm. know we're going to be okay. Yeah. And I wonder what message Carl would have. Um, I would think, I think I would say to them, um, um, in the end, it'll probably be okay because like, you know, things usually like they can end well. They should know that like before they come out to their parents, they should make sure their parents are like not going to like, kick them out or something just Mm. for like a safety reason you know Mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, it, it's going to be rough, but um, everything will smooth out eventually. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, and in every different family has their own dynamics and we want to respect and honor that. Yes, there we're looking at a lot of different family dynamics out there when we have listeners right now that are listening from literally all over the world. But one thing that doesn't change and that is that our attitude towards it can um, can change. And I believe that many kids are the unknown. The fear of the unknown is awful. You know, they just fear what might happen. So what I hear Carl's message is it's going to be okay. And that's better than you think. You know, that, that's getting rid of that fear and saying and telling yourself it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Do you have something else that you thought of? Yeah. Another thing I just wanted to mention, um, people should not bind with ace bandages or any like homemade binders or cheap ones just because it's like not safe and they shouldn't do that. Um, cause like you could break ribs or suffocate and also, yeah, just don't do that. So we might hear about kids that aren't ready to talk to, um, their parents and aren't ready to talk to anyone, but they think, oh, I could just take care of this on my own. And it sounds like your message is safety is important. Don't think you can just take care of everything on your own. And sometimes yeah. you need to open up and communicate because that's the safest thing to do, even if it is hard, right? Yeah, because, like, binding with ace bandages is, like, it's painful and you can't breathe and, like, you could break ribs and stuff. And, yeah. I mean, some kids might not realize that. Yeah, I, I think that um, I think that things used to be really different. And I think that the gender-affirming path mm-hmm. leads to a lot more happy, healthy kids and not the complete opposite, which is a possibility. I think that that's one of the things to really look out for is Mm -hmm. um, there's a very high suicide rate with trans kids. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like 40%. Um, The average lifespan of a trans person is actually 35 years old. Um, Mm -hmm. Also a lot, like there's like a very high murder rate and like hate crimes and stuff. Wow. Um, And then there's also suicide. Um, mm-hmm. because of like people being like transphobic. Yeah. At the end of the day, we just want our kids to be okay. You know, yes. we don't want them to suffer. We want them to be well. We want them to feel safe. Mm-hmm. We want them to feel loved. We want them to feel whole. Also, like, just like if there's any like parents watching, I just want to specify like the thing about like the 35 years old thing, it's not going to change. Like, they're not going to like. If you don't accept them as trans, it's not going to make them not trans. And because, like, you might be worried that they're going to, like, die at 35, which is not, like, a definite thing. But, like, it's not something you can control. And if you try to, like, make them not trans, then it's going to be even worse. That's a good point. So a parent can't will their will onto their child. You know, their will would be, wait a minute, I held you in my arms when you were born. I know what gender you are, and therefore I'm going to will that upon you. And what Carl's saying is, you know what, you can do that all you want, and they'll still feel uncomfortable in their skin and that they need to change. So you could either be on their team or you could be for them or against them, basically, is what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like if you like tried to make somebody who's right-handed become left-handed. Like, if you tried to make them use their left hand, even though they're right-handed, it would be very uncomfortable and you would want to use your right hand. That's a really, really good analogy, especially for parents, you know, because, and thank you, really, thank you for opening up and saying that. Because, yes, we know maybe the life expectancy is different because of all the many reasons that you mentioned, but at the end of the day, to feel healthy and whole and to be able to care for your family members for who they are, is um, probably the way, to, the best way to have the life expense, expectancy longer is just by having your stability strong, you know? Because, like, if they're supported, then the lifespan will probably be longer. I would um, guess, yeah. Yeah. It's It hasn't been that long on the journey of parents being able to really discover how they need to approach these situations. And you've witnessed the um, things in the group that you mentioned where parents will be angry. Parents will be mourning. Parents will be unaccepting. 
And some kids will be turned to the streets at a young age because of the lack of acceptance. And if there's anything that you can say to a parent that's struggling with right is right and wrong is wrong and standing in their truth as opposed to opening their mind to how can I support this child? What is it that you would say to those parents to help them? If there's someone who is sort of stuck in their idea of the way things would have, should have, could have been, I mean, maybe to really just take a moment and just see your kid inside their heart and soul and spirit and just look for that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm, I'm coming up the right thing to say here. Okay. All right. Carl has something. Um, so like, this doesn't apply to all people, but like, a lot of people use being like religious as like an excuse to be hateful. Um, I just want to say that like the whole thing about religion is love everyone. From what I've read, like the whole thing about religion, like, I don't know, like Jesus's whole thing is love everyone. And like, if like, and like, even if you believe that someone is going to go to hell for it, um, like it still it doesn't help to be mean to them. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't do anything to be mean to them. Mm-hmm. It just makes you mean. Right. It's either religion or it's the way they were raised or it's what society has told them or it's all of these outside forces. And then there's a huge battle within parents. I'll tell you right now, Carl, because they are trying to say, is this one of these things? that I need to teach and train or is this one of these things that I need to step back and, and, and um, it's not really even, it's like come alongside and support, you know? And sometimes the word support feels to an parent that is, has raised their kid will say in a religious manner, they feel that that's, um, They feel that that's giving in like, oh, well, now I'm caving and I'm not. That's not what I believe in. So I love the way that you mentioned, again, just like your mom did, that at the end of the day, can we lean on love? And that would be a message that I would put out to listeners at the end of the day, no matter how we were raised, no matter what um, religious values at the end of the day, do we love this person? If we love this person, how can we show love? You know, and then trust that everything else will work out. Cher, you're reminding me of a book um, by a man named Mike McCarg. Okay. Um, I I first heard of him as Science Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, he was on a Stronger Marriages podcast, and mm-hmm. he talked about love and the evolution of relationships. And he was not he's not a scientist. But he just read heavily on the topic and shared a lot about how the brain works. And um, in his book, it's called Finding God in the Waves. Mm. He talks about how he grew up in a very religious background and then had a moment where he just had to ask himself, wait, is this really what I believe? Mm -hmm. And he was he was actually a deacon in the church. And I think for two years he lived sort of like as like he was like a an actually an atheist for a couple hmm. of years. And so it was like a very different kind Drastic, of, yeah, yeah, it was. And I think his whole world could have potentially crumbled when he revealed he was not what they thought he was. Like he was not a, a you know, he was a deacon in the church and then mm-hmm. he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a believer that, at all. Like, right. He, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, and so I think what happened like at the end of the whole story was Everything could have fallen apart. I'm, you know, maybe things did a little bit for a certain while, but I think after everything was kind of just out in the open and revealed, like there came to be another peaceful moment. Like if yes. we're riding down a river, we can either hold on to a branch and, and get our body thrashed against the shore, or we can let go and flow with the river yes. and see where it takes us. And it might be somewhere different than we originally thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And you guys are writing that journey right now. And that's another thing that I want to remind parents is listen to this beautiful story that we're hearing of change. Not all of it was easy. Not all of it was without conflict or, you know, fighting or disagreements. But this is a journey that's being written. It's their book. 
And these each family is writing their book. And then they have to think at the end of this book, do I want people to look back and be like, uh, why did I even read that? That was just full of hate and unacceptance and pain and then heartbreak. Is that what you want the end of the book to be? If if you don't, then you need to do exactly what you guys are doing right now in the middle of your book. Walk through it. Walk through it in love. And um, I guess that's what I'm getting from listening to you. I think it's a really, it's really courageous of you guys to say, I'm going to share where I'm at at this journey right now. I want to again thank you for coming. And um, I, I'm thinking that maybe I should introduce you know, in a couple years, have you back on and we can revisit and see where you're at in that journey then. Sure. Yeah. That'd let's be open, great. Let, let's, let's leave that an open invitation because that might be an amazing thing for us to check in on you guys' journey. Thanks so much. Thanks right. so much, Cher, for having us on the show. I, I appreciate that, you know, again, some of this can be really tough and the main thing is you're not alone. And if there are any parents out there, if there are any kids out there that are suffering, I think that in, in connection and community, you know, we can help each other through it and, and just, you know, learn to love each other a little more. Yes. Make the world a better place. Absolutely. Well, thank you. At the beginning of this podcast, I shared this quote with you. The integrity of our relationships matters more than the boldness of our words. I remember this quote after this interview because the integrity of your relationship means that you've worked on that relationship. You've cared about that relationship. It means that you've taken the time to listen and not waited until a child's um, 12, 13, 14, but you started that when they were a toddler. Right now, wherever you are in your parenting journey, I want you to think about what the integrity of your relationship with your children is. Can they trust you? Do they depend on you? Do they know that no matter what they're thinking or what they do, they can come to you and you absolutely unconditionally love them? If there's any question in your mind, then go and make sure you tell them today. Make sure you remind them. Because you remember back in my episode four, what is the focused mindset? We talked about the reticular we talked about the reticular activating system. Remember that's the system in the brain that when it hears something over and over again it believes it. So as we're raising our kids, if we lean heavy on making sure that they know what's right or wrong, sometimes their brain will begin to believe that that means you won't accept them unless they hit that perfect standard. So your child might come to you with something not at all as drastic as dealing with their sexual orientation, but also something that rubs you wrong in an amazing type of way. I want you to think about this program and think about your values and think about how you want your journey to end when your parenting is over and your children are grown in order to help you shape the way that you react to things that happen with your family each and every day. If as your kids are growing up, they hear you tell them how much you appreciate them and accept them no matter what, then they're going to know that even though you share your values with them and that you teach them strongly the way that they should go boldly as you should, that you're integrity of your relationship is so strong that it will last any storm. Thank you for listening to The Focused Mindset. I want to remind you to check out the show notes. You're going to see helpful links and you're going to see the link to my website, www.thefocusedmindset.com. I'd love for you to join the Focused Mindset community. Upon doing that, I'm going to be able to share with you the upcoming events, um, the speaking engagements that I'll be at, as well as send out my newsletter. More than that, I'll ask your opinion on things and you can get back to me and we can start that conversation. You're never alone with the Focused Mindset community. And don't forget to subscribe if you hadn't. And feel free to share this episode. 
put it on your Facebook, share it with people that you know that are going through similar challenges. Let's encourage people. The information that you share here might be exactly what someone else needs to encourage them. And we've come to the end of another podcast. How about we both go to our family members and give them an extra big hug today. And just remember that we want to move forward in love. So until next time, keep in touch and take care.